Hello, everybody. This is a terrible idea, Steve. I've just realised this is my first ever live stream. And I've decided to do it with the person who's probably done more live streams in this sphere than anybody else in, his, in the past 12 months. Uh, more more period or more with you? Well, just, well, uh, we, we, could, we could probably do both. As, as a parent, we've done, we've done quite a lot. But yeah. let, let's start off by just saying we're here to talk about True Detective. So if anybody's not here to listen or talk about the first series and specifically episode one of True Detective, you might want to go watch it and then come back. Uh, or if you don't care, you know, stick around. We'll probably have a bit of fun and might find some illuminating things to find out of it. Um, but before we do any of that, I'll let Steve introduce himself, especially if you're new to my channel from watching movies, etc., and you don't know who Steve is. Uh, this might be a good way for you to get to know Steve. So go ahead. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, first, thanks for having me because I've I've always wanted to talk about this series of someone. So I'm so I'm so excited cool. to have the chance. But I am Steve from Steve Talks Books on YouTube, and I can also be found on Steve Talks Movies or on PageChewing.com. Cool. And so to be here. recently launched this new channel where you're talking about movies, TV kind of thing. Seems to be going all right. Although you've set yourself a pretty ridiculous challenge, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I have, uh, I have 32 videos in 32 days. And um, yeah, I've, I've been questioning my decisions, but we're, we're too far into it. So it's too late. It's too I've come too far to turn back. So. Well, this is day three, isn't it? Even though it's kind of not in your channel, but we'll be alternating these week up, week on, week out uh, on the at the same time. Hopefully, next week's will be on Steve's <laughs> other channel. And um, yeah, I, I've seen people do these thirty days challenges every now and again, Steve, and they, they, they go great. And then they get there about day twenty five, and they're like, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's, I have uh, about ten videos done, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it works out, but. It, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Awesome. We've even got some people here. This is this nice. is just terrific. So Layla's here. Evening, Layla. Layla. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to learning more about the series myself as well. Uh, Alicia's here. Hi, Alicia. Hey, Alicia. And my my newest good Goodreads friend, actually, as it turns out. Oh, cool. And, uh, and Aaron's here as well. With a, with a hey. So let's hope everybody's seen the, the series. We'll start off, I think, by just saying, kind of one K two. Oh, cool. well. K2. Nice, nice. Uh, like you've seen this series before from start to finish uh, more than once, Steve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen it three or four times. I re rewatched it back in the summer, summertime. Okay. So it's so still, the most it's still recent watch. Yeah. yeah. So I've never actually made it to the end of the first series. I started to watch it. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I sometimes pick series from myself and the wife to watch. And after about three or four episodes, she goes, eh. Uh, not much. So that happened with Breaking Bad, for instance. She didn't really like the first three or four episodes of Breaking Bad. And then it took me, I would say, another year and a half to get to the end of the first series. And then I was like, Brendan, I'm away without you. So uh, I've done the first four four episodes this a couple of times. But so like these first couple of episodes, I have seen before, but without kind of really thinking through and, and kind of thinking on their death rather than just let's see if we can follow along. Yeah. So um, we'll see how this goes. So. I think the show for me mainly is uh, the first episode is very much about introducing our two main characters. I've, I've sort of labeled you as Marty on the thumbnail and me as uh, <laughs> me as Cole. Cool. Yeah. It's a great thumbnail, <laughs> uh, by the way. Yeah, uh, thank you very much. Um, so it's really a, about them, and I think there's loads of stuff even from the outset 
that they use to contrast because it's very much shot in this yes. kind of POV interview style. So what, what what kind of things strike you from the start? Well, for, uh, first I want to mention, I love the introduction. It's I think it's my all-time favorite intro. Mm. Just the music and the, the images and the, the that whole sequence is just done. It's terrific. But... I, I did write down, you know, the, the amount of iconography. If, if I even, mm. if we were talking about uh, Last of Us, I think you think of the like iconography sort of is harkens back and is similar to that. Although mm. I can't remember things doing it quite in the same way, given the kind of themes that are in um, this first series of True Detective that you kind of go, ooh, yeah. there's a lot of things being thrown at you immediately. And you kind of think, right, maybe a lot of this will be pulled apart in the series as we go through it. And maybe the intersections might make a bit more sense as we, as we go through. Yeah, I think in the introduction to your question about kind of for like first impressions going in what one thing that i noticed this time that i didn't notice necessarily as much before is the there's a lot of like you said contrast or opposition because in the introduction we have um like you know we have like churches we have mm -hmm. uh swing we have like playgrounds we have uh, some other sexually suggestive stuff so lots of opposition and when the when this when the episode starts all we have is someone carrying a body and there's a That's fire true. started and then we go we go right into character we yeah. go right into the camera, camera's rolling, and then we have Cole and Russ talking about each other and kind of, you know, explaining what each, what each character, what like what the other person is like. And you immediately have the sense of opposition there. You have contrast. Then as the episode goes on, you have the religion, the religious side of like the South, like that whole thing. And then you have the the satanic stuff of the murder scene. So lots of opposition uh you know in the marriage and it's so it's a lot it's like overflowing with contrast yeah and imagery like it's very much imagery mm -hmm. based even as we'll get to the, the murder scenes etc are all very kind of like these these clues iconography clues kind of motif clues all of that kind of stuff that goes through the first thing that really jumps out to me is definitely the contrast between the two interview styles so both in terms of their appearance You've got Marty that's shot very much in uniform, clean cut, shaven. And I don't know if you noticed this, but actually the lens with which we see him through is very different to the one that we see Cole through. So it's almost like a fisheye lens that that, that we see mm. uh, Marty through. And it's a different angle, a lower angle and shot and stuff. On it. And so he's like kind of more imposing and bigger. That's a great, I didn't even notice that. That's a great observation. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about that, but yeah, there is it is a different angle and different um, framing for the two. Yeah, and the, and the amount of her because obviously going back in time, Marty has her now he has no her, and now Cole had less her, but now he has more her. Yeah, they did a great job de aging them. Um, yeah, they look they look great. I mean, I I wouldn't have known the difference had I not known them, and well, I don't think necessarily de age them as much as they age them because they look older. In the interviews, especially Matthew McConaughey looks older. Yeah. He has wrinkles in the kind of like the I've, I drink too much kind of look. Like I'm yeah. kind of you know I have a problem kind of thing. So he and then when he's younger, he has that um, youthful look to him. So it's, like they a did a fantastic job. Boy's charm about him, even though he's kind of you know sort of aloof even at the start. You know he's, <laughs> he's he is kind of, but he still has that kind of very clean cut, you know, manicured hair, you know dresses very neatly you know mm -hmm. even 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 from that um what what are your initial did your initial impressions of both characters 
both likable. One likable more than the other one. Which one do you identify with? Neither, I both. I, I think um, Rust. Uh, I think is Rust is Matthew McConaughey, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's a more interesting character, so I'm drawn to him. I think Cole is the more unlikable character because of his situation at home, and you um, you can tell that he's um, also he's a he kind of plays by the rules and doesn't really question a whole lot. He just wants to fly. You know, he doesn't want to do too much or too little. He's just kind of He's just kind of there. He's just doing his time and he's getting out. So I felt like he, like Rust is more interesting. He's more intriguing character yeah. because of his history. And you get the impression right away that there's a lot of history with, with him and there's a lot going on in his mind and, and what he's been through. Yeah, you get the feeling that there's a lot to unravel with him. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Marty, Woody Halston's character is much more of a, I think it's the kind of character that a lot of us can identify or see in, in our life in some ways. The kind of offhand comments that he had when he used to describe himself like being a regular ass dude with a big dick, you know, and yeah. you kind of go, there's an arrogance and a, yeah. and, and a curtness about him that I, I think is very off-puttish for an awful lot of people. Even the fact that like, there's an, a bit later on when he goes in to see the captain and he comes out and he's been told he's doing the, um, the interview. And he comes out and waits till he's outside, closes the door, and then makes a remark about what a dick the guy, the captain is, so that he sort of fits in with the crowd, that kind of loudish, lallish kind of thing, just for attention. And whereas Cole obviously doesn't seem to care as much. Mm. I mean, he invites people into his house and he hasn't unpacked any boxes. He's not worried about appearance and, and what people think of him in that way. He's kind of got his own problems, as you say, yeah. that uh, hopefully we get to work through mm-hmm. uh and even the fact that you get cole gets this nickname of the taxman then yeah. from the start um but it's interesting he's well read he's, he's 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 all of those those things that you think of yeah i think uh, just like we've we've all been we've all known a marty we've all kind of known a uh a cole or a rust too right because he's he's mm-hmm. a little he's a little strange he's like this is like a memory of a town when they're going in the parking lot. this is a town that's someone's memory that's fading or i mm-hmm. i can taste ash in my mouth you know ru- i can taste this weird taste in my mouth or he's uh you know humans they should walk in hand in hand into extinction they should stop reproducing because we're you know we're we're that's the we're just on a path towards destruction yeah. so we've all known someone like that too i think we they're both identifiable in, in different ways yeah the sort of fit stereotypes but not obvious ones in some ways, you know, as, as being, you know, they're on the level footing here. They're, they're partners. And this is like a body cop at the start here. And they are very well juxtaposed. Like I had written down in my notes, they're very chalk and cheese. Uh, and we're told that the fall, the fallen, the fallen out with each other, but not about the case. And, you know, obviously that'll probably be explored as they're going through, but even the people interviewing them, it's but towards the end of the episode that, that, so Marty realizes that they're not really asking anything about the case. They're actually talking a lot about their relationship, and that's the bit that they're probing and discuss- discussing. Yeah, there's a few things we, we pick up in the first episode, and this won't spoil it the rest of the series. But we find out that they caught the person who committed the murders. They say we, we caught that person. He also says we had a fallout mm-hmm. years later, or twelve was it ten years later? Yeah. Um, and they and they out they also kind of plant the seed that, um, you know, where where has Rust been? Where is he? Where have you been? What have you been up to? It's kind of planning doubt in our mind as the viewer of 
maybe there's something else going on here. So there's in the interview and in, in the in the dialogue, there's a lot that is explored, and yeah. the, he also talks about um, you can't pick your you can pick you can't pick your parents and you can't pick your partner. Yeah, but for as much as as kind of are meant to not like Woody Harrelson's character, I think that much in, in some ways are sort of dodges about how decent a person he is. He is very open about the fact that he thought Rust was a very good detective. You know, even down the line, he did reach out and invite him into his home and say, like, you're coming, even though this is not totally my idea, but, you know, you're going to come and have dinner with, with me and my family and, and that kind of stuff. So he is kind of like the much more normal kind of family life you know bit where we obviously get the uh, the implications that cole's family's broken apart you know mm -hmm. deaths in the family all of that kind of stuff that that is obviously affecting him like one of the things that i always like is seeing actually what real trauma looks like rather than kind of like the hollywood version of trauma mm -hmm. um so yeah because you, you can tell right away that he's he's capable but he's a mess because of what he's been through. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a, his eyes are really red and he could tell he isn't sleeping well. And when he's trying to get information from the, um, from the sex workers, he asks, he sends one of them, one of them away and then sits next to the other one. Like, I just, you know, where can I get some pills? Cause he, he needs yeah. it to, to sleep. Yeah. Uh, and kind of going to the bar in the guise of doing police work, but actually going, for the pills you know what i mean as 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 a way to facilitate his his problems or you know deal with what seems to be the early stages of addiction both in terms of that and then the drink that comes later um so heart talks about the importance of marriage family marriage and later he might not be so wholesome indeed um often that the people that that talk about these things actually um don't eschew the values of them quite so clearly yeah, we, we do get glimpses of him coming home late and his daughters are in bed and it seems like everyone's kind of used to him not being around. Yeah. And in the morning he, he falls asleep on the on the chair and then that's right. He takes Indeed. a couple of sips and he's out the door again without really acknowledging his wife. So we kind of get the start to get the cracks there that he's he may not be around all that much. Yeah. Kind of like what I would say is the classic police stereotype and an awful lot of tv series in, in that way and so far as the works kind of uh pressurized or heavy enough that, he, that he, it is the excuse not to be there mm. otherwise um so we'll, we'll we'll go to the the key scene basically which is them getting to the the murder scene um <laughs> i actually actually have written down that on the way back actually the do do have that conversation in the car scene and how I, I, it turns from what one person thought it was going to be into something completely different. But I think the murder scene itself is is obviously something very staged. And uh, like if you think back to the first time that you've seen it, like the first time that I've seen it, it was very much... Uh, for anybody that's watched a lot of procedurals of a crime, you go very into the CSI mode immediately when you see it yourself. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, and it, it also sets the stage for the series too because we it's not just a murder i mean i don't say it's not just a murder but it's 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 something that it was meticulously planned yeah. and staged and there's a there's a message so and having it with that occult twist to it we also know right away that okay this isn't going to be just a uh you know a random thing this is something that's um 
planned and this is something that's there's someone sending the message so it kind of sets the stage for this bigger bigger story right away it's within the first few minutes and um their techniques in the on the crime scene too with him with his with his uh with his notepad with you know the tax man and he's that's drawing right. everything yeah. really meticulously so all of that uh, and the other the other police that were there were a little a little shocked a little out of their element maybe they seemed you know they another stereotype of the the good old boy cop that doesn't really have a whole lot to worry about and all of a sudden he has this big case yeah. so lots of lots of things in opposition there lots of things going on yeah i i did write i actually looked for the uh, no synopsis for the for the show for, for the first episode given that it's really all about these two characters and it basically says the investigative murdered woman found in a burned sugarcane field near the town of Erith. the victim was bound and blindfolded wearing a crown of roots and antlers with a blue spiral painted on her upper back which is kind of setting the idea that you know this this ritualistic scene or this ritualistic murder mm-hmm. happened and it's only like very early we get the we get the information that you know this didn't happen in place she was killed and transported on her back probably laced with lsd in some way was tortured in some way and then staged and brought and placed in this in this way blindfolded with the antlers with the, uh, the swirl on her back and then these little what i actually had to go and look them up the devil traps or something that isn't it how do they describe them in the ornaments or the things that are like the things that are hanging from the tree yeah and the, the, the little triangular things that sit in the ground indeed um which again gives the the sense that that is ritualistic and sort of linked to cult or religion in some in some way whether i think at the at the start it's very looks to me like it's supposed to be portraying satanism of some sort or mm. or something of, of that elk yeah i think uh that too is you know the in the south you think you know it's the it's the late 90s it's not the mm-hmm. satanic panic era of like the 80s but it's still kind of hanging around so you have the south this you know the religious you know very religious people to you know in that in those areas and um and you know, and then we also have the billboards with the missing children so that's right we, there's a there's I noticed that this time it does you never really feel comfortable you never you're always there's always something in opposition almost the entire episode there's always something fighting against something else whether it's rust and Cole or the two partners or whether it's his marriage or whether it's uh rusted is his addiction his he's battling this trauma that he has that we don't know about yet he sees his, he thinks he's seen ghosts so there's there's lots and lots of and you know the cops in the in the precinct they're all fighting with each other um, there's a lot of conflict. Yeah, a lot of tension. And they, mm-hmm. they keep on layering it on as the episode goes on. You know, just when you think, you know, you're fighting all this satanic stuff, then the governor comes along and starts putting the anti-religion angle and message to say, you know, God, you've got to keep this in mind as well. And like a lot of things um, are portrayed, you know, they're more than one thing. And a lot of people, you know, from the outside want a certain outcome of this rather than and using it for political means or otherwise. So, really interesting like kind of setup and and lay down of 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 the things that are play and as the series goes through i'm sure some are kind of become more prominent than other ones etc as 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 they take the investigate now but the the missing people i mean they seem to be a lot of kids at the start you know and they do go to investigate 
side, you know, these missing, these missing, these missing kids. Any of, obviously, you've watched the scene. The thing that jumped out at me is one of one of the kids they investigated. She get talked about uh, seeing a green herd spaghetti monster, mm-hmm. and it. Which again, with the presence of LSD, I'd actually wrote down and said there's a there's a possible like a kid being this with LSD or something. I guess that's one of the things that that jumped out at me. Um, and even when it when it comes being reported in the in the papers, it's been reported as an occult case very early doors. You know, basically labeling it and saying this is what this is in mm. some way. Yeah, interesting thought there. We'll have to see how it works out. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> so yeah. you kind of make your little predictions as we go along. Um, yeah. The is there anything else you want to say about about the scene, uh, the the stage in the scene, other than you know the the sugar canes being burnt away around the body? I think there's there's a couple of things that that come out mm-hmm. of that, but I think that's shown pretty much at the start of the the intro. Yeah, the 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 crown was it's very. Um very memorable it, it strikes you right away that's uh so it's a, it's a very striking scene mm-hmm. to start and it's it's it kicks off with that too so there's a i thought it was a, a pretty bold choice to start with so much character to begin mm-hmm. with i was surprised that it's it jumps right into character um developing characters right away yeah one of the things i i noticed actually a bit filming it is they spend an awful lot of time about to see the body but we don't actually linger too much in the body uh, we kind of see nearly profile in some cases and uh, behind, but they spend an awful lot of time looking at the two characters' reaction to looking out at the scene. And it's mm-hmm. some of like some of the filmmaking in it is to, like I think Carrie Fukunaga as a as a director and writer is pretty spectacular. I know he made his name here, but if you ever seen Beast in No Nation and even No Time to Die, which I think is a beautifully directed and shot film as well. He does a lot of soft focus of which the two people are standing mm. beside each other, but one's very clearly out of focus and one's in focus. And it just does a very subtle shift between the two of them as you mm. just see the slightly different reactions. It happens a couple of times within within this episode. Mm. I think sort of giving you this idea that while they're standing literally beside each other, they're worlds apart in terms <laughs> of uh, of how they're seeing the same thing or, or, or looking at, at everything. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I didn't even think of that or notice that about the focus on the character. But yeah, he's a great, great director. Um, yeah, and the, the writing in this, it's so good. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's, it's terrific. We'll go to the some of the, the comments. So Aaron says, I think the Baptist priest talks about the grand, about his grandmother knowing that the traps are from Rust's images. Maybe Luke's video links. Can't, can't look for Steve's reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to be. I'm trying not to. Trying to yeah. Um, and then Aaron said about interest about the LSD. Quite like the young person would be interested in what is lying around and what her mother is using. Yeah, mm-hmm. indeed. Okay, too said for sure. He also started coughing as if he wants to say something. His wife spoke over over him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lots of tension. Lots of tension. Lots of tension and lots of people involved in kind of uh, being a part of these societies. And I think that's one of the things that I, that has an interest level for me, not being from America, especially I say south of North America, being a completely fascinating region for exploring stories. Yeah, it really is. And I I love the South. People are so friendly and nice uh, Mm -hmm. when I've I've been there, but, um, but yeah, it is a, it is ripe for storytelling for sure. Yeah, it has that blend of uh, 
like being a modern society, but having a certain amount of mysticism and, you know, its own culture that is kind of outside and alien to, say, East Coast America, the Eastern Seaboard or something, the would have been incredibly different. And... Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's totally different. And it's, um, yeah, I think sometimes, um, I think sometimes people can, uh, you know, look down on, on those areas, but I think there's, there's some good things about those areas too, the sense of family and mm-hmm. um, kind of the small towns that are disappearing now. So yeah. that's another angle too. Yeah, it, it does strike me that an awful lot of, you know, you say look down on, it comes from people stereotyping and often the only representations we get of those areas are very stereotypical and mm-hmm. uh, you don't actually get to see the people in the places in the same yeah. way that they get to. So I, I did find myself actually when they start, I love procedural uh, talk. So when they talk about a 419, yeah. I go, yeah. right, I'm looking up what a 419 is. And there's a dead body found. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Now, I, now I'm in now I'm the lingo. Like yeah. I can I can do that and have a look at that. Um, the conversation on the way back in the car is oh, like one of my favorite scenes in the entire episode for sure. Where Marty asks a very simple question, and he is then um, greeted with way more information than than he ever hoped to garner from it. Well, I think his original response was, "I don't, I don't think we should talk about this at work," <laughs> you know. It's, but he put he kept so. I mean, you you ask, so you're, here you go. Yeah, the, a lot is revealed about each character in that conversation. Too. I think so as well. Yeah. yeah, a lot is revealed about them, and just their their relationship too. Yeah, I mean, from the outside looking in, again, first episode, thinking of it, what he's doing the sort of societal norms of making conversation to get over you know, awkward silences. He doesn't really want to engage in an exploration of character, whereas I think Cole is desperate to kind of share some of himself from the solitude <laughs> in doing so. Yeah, that's a great point, too, because at, at dinner, he does volunteer information to, to his wife, and he doesn't volunteer it to marty but and i think marty just does it out of maybe out of obligation or just kind of this what you're supposed to do he doesn't really care yeah i i had written that down actually that marty's wife gets gets more out of coal in about 30 seconds than uh, marty does for the entire other episode it's, again get an idea that Cole's desperate to share his trauma and kind of exhume himself of it in some way but the only way he can really do it is through drink or or something at the time do you think that she got more out of him because she was compassionate and curious like genuinely curious or do you think it's because of the the anniversary of his daughter's passing and the daughters were there and it was like a family atmosphere maybe he felt well i never thought about that that aspect of it i i I took it as she was she was probing him and asking him human questions rather than kind of pithy questions that that uh that Marty small was kind talk. of going small talk indeed, mm-hmm. you know, giving him an opportunity and given the fact that he was obviously drunk at the stage, you know, it's easier to open up and kind of, I mean, that's whatever's in your front of your mind's coming out in the, in that mm-hmm. kind of stage, if, if you can give the chance, but I did, I did think it was kind of uh, a juxtaposition of their, their approaches to how they deal with people. Yeah. And uh, even though he was drunk and Marty was raging and turned up, but, she didn't mind. She was still engaged in a conversation and the kids with the table and all of that kind of stuff uh, was great. And was she, was she so curious because she doesn't get that kind of interaction from her husband? Is that, 
maybe she was craving that some kind of interaction yeah for sure that, that's definitely something because even he's out of the room at that stage and doesn't get involved in any of it it's very much when he leaves the room that she has the adult conversation in the room that's true yeah yeah, because the scene where he he does try and get him to go home and and uh, and Rust is it's just it's just terrific. Yeah. yeah, the look he gets from him when he's oh no, I'm, it's uh it's no big deal. He's like, well, yeah. do you have to go? He's like, oh no, no, it's fine. Wait till tomorrow. <laughs> okay, he says, I think Marty because of his possible infidelity uh, is also a bit afraid because of how good and observant Rust is. Oh, that's very hmm. clever. I think the point was made earlier on. Um, that yeah the flirting with the uh the secretary oh yeah uh, russ russ noticed earlier on missed yeah, that himself i'd say yeah he jumped he jumps up pretty quick when she uh she walks in the room so yeah <laughs> really tr really terrific about that mm. um so the i think the, the next part of, of I think that's that's a lot of the kind of main exposition and dump of the characters and everything that happens from there on in, as far as I was concerned in my notes, was them either starting to progress then this, the, the initial stages of of the case or we were introducing a couple more complexities like I was saying with, with the governor coming in um, and then the scenes with you know Cole and Marty in and around other people like the other people in the office which I think is an interesting yeah. dynamic as well yeah, we, uh, you know, that one person goes with the flow and the other one doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily go with the flow. He questions things. He's not just playing, uh, he's not just going along for the ride. He's mm -hmm. he's going to question things, which I think fits into their personalities each side. And that's having that yin and yang together. There's a lot of yin and yang. And the one that I'm going to be I'm trying to be very, very careful here, but when they visit the, the husband of the murdered woman, um, that conversation was very interesting too. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's all those small conversations between people that you're kind of reading between the lines all the time to try and figure out people's personal motivations, the private motivations, or, or otherwise, when they go and investigate. Is is it is it a case that the, that the person intervened? Has he had a stroke? Is he the pitcher? I'm not sure if they go into detail with that. I think um, I'm not sure exactly what happened to him, but I know he's um, he was disabled at the time they visited him. Yeah, to go and he obviously wasn't before because they knew him when he pitched for LSU. I think was it or something like that mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah, I picked up a lot on Aaron's point here, which is that there was a lot of posturing with the other cops. It was very much the the boys club again. As Marty comes out and makes a dig at the captain to fit in and kind of that kind of having a dig at authority just because it's kind of the boys club thing to do yeah yeah a lot, a lot of that too and um kind of the the um you know like in they're incompetent almost like they and he i think he mentions to them oh you know how was the did you find it did you find anything at the bar because they all smell like alcohol <laughs> so they were out goofing around when there was this big case going on yeah um and that's just made the point about when they were having the conversation the sort of equal playing field between the two mm -hmm. of them and that, that conversation that's a great. It, that's a great observation. Yeah, I think, especially for the lot, lot, large part of the first episode, you do see them to them as a level, just being chalk and cheese with each other. And it's only when they get put into the setting of the police station that you actually see some are more equal than others in terms of the group dynamic that's there. Mm -hmm. There's definitely a like a 
there's different tiers and uh, kind of like a uh, like who's the like who the alphas are in the room. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Okay, two says Marty and Russ size is everything a good job is liked by colleagues, respected as a loving wife and happy, healthy kids. We might Russ Laxer has lost all of that in in some way. Hmm. And yet I sort of identify with Rust a bit more in the kind of book where he's kind of attention to detail. Um part of that, but obviously the, the sadness and the misery and in, in, is playing and the rest of his demeanor for sure yeah and just excellent performances all the way around um oh, yeah just excellent performances from everyone and um yeah the with the interviews you, we, there's a lot of you we we so we like i said we know a lot of things from those that, those conversations mm -hmm. and, and uh, we also have the two the two detectives who are interviewing them there's also their interactions with them too yeah because they're not really revealing maybe until about two-thirds of the way through the episode and you realize oh right okay and we don't even really question the fact that they're interviewing on the other end it kind of almost feels like a a documentary or mockumentary in some ways up to that point insofar as we get these two people being talking to camera uh with kind of like a, a faceless nature to it but actually we realize that this is actually part of a a follow-up investigation mm. uh, based on the fact that and I, I maybe picked this up wrong at the end but the reason for the interview was that they've got a new case similar and that they convicted somebody for this previous crime beforehand i think that's what they said at the end i think that's what i got out of it and uh, well, they so I'll, I'll be i'll be careful uh so they did mention how so that there's news they they know there is public information that well, there there's some things that in the new case that wasn't public that happened back then, but they also mentioned, well, how can it be the same person when we caught them back in yeah. 90, whatever. And uh, as Aaron quite really says, that I think this, the episode ends with start asking the right and answering the right questions. You know, that's pretty much the bit and you kind of cut to, okay, we've been pissing about for, <laughs> for an episode here in a lot of ways, you know, that we're kind of not at it. We're not uh, we're we're not really delving the deep into what's actually going going on. Yeah, and and also the two detectives who are interviewing them, you know, they they know all the tricks. So mm -hmm. the tricks that they would normally use to interview someone, they can't really use the same tricks. So it's it's that there's it's that tension also between them. They're trying like a cat and mouse thing where they're trying to get information mm -hmm. when that person knows all the tricks that they're talking to. So. How do you get, how do you question someone? How, what, what kind of tricks do you use to get that information from them? Which in this case seems to be just to ask them about their character, you know, mm -hmm. to kind of dig into who they are as people rather than worry about the bits of the case or, or actually th that bit. Cause like we've had a lot of episodes to cover before we get to the real nitty gritty. That's <laughs> kind of one of my <laughs> takeaways, you know, but yeah. it, it's a very clever device to do that because with a very character based show, we as the watcher, want to find out who these people are mm -hmm. you know you sort of want to root for them for one and not the other one but actually i think as has been pointed out a couple of times you kind of get a feel like they both got merit and value yeah and i i was really surprised how heavy character focused it was i think that's why i like it so much i think this, mm. so i started to realize that a little bit but yeah there's um yeah and they also mentioned a, a few other things in this episode they mentioned well um do you want to know about the time this happened oh no we'll talk about that later or do you want to know about mm -hmm. this 
that happen. So it, it sets it sets up a lot of future things that happen, but we don't know how those things happen or what it all means yet. So really, really smart um, ways of just dropping little clues of this is what may happen later or this is what will happen later. Uh, and what does it mean what's happening now versus what happened back then? So really, really smart way to – really smart first episode, I thought. Yeah. I, th- I think – I think it really showcases what can be great about long form TV like this. Mm. Insofar as like the kind of things and narrative devices that they use here, you can't use in books in the same way. You can't even use in movies the same way because you are dropping literally those little breadcrumbs along the way, even to suggest what where the next couple of episodes are going to go. Mm. Um, and like I've just done a, I've just come back from teaching a literacy class where we're, we're doing off my semen, et cetera. And one of the, questions that i'm posing to students is right you get to a certain point of the book how does the author try and ensure that you keep coming back and watching it again like what are the things that he's done to this point that makes sure that you keep on that you go to sleep pick it up again tomorrow and keep on going with it and there's so many things i would say in this first episode that, that kind of that kind of allude to to that yeah i didn't think of it that way that's that's a great uh a great point too of, of uh kind of once you well what did happen or what how did this happen what so and you want to know when it's going to happen too is it at the end is it the next episode when is when is that event mm-hmm. happen yeah so you've got the, the you've obviously got the play of the the couple of characters you've got the, all the intriguing theming that goes on you've got this very evocative scene and staging of a death scene there's lots of like mysteries within the mysteries and then they throw in the last which is when uh cole goes for a walk around the outside of the house and you yeah. find that this wasn't just staged within the, the murder scene. These little devil traps are found elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they visit the church too, I think it's a, it's the unrelated case, but the the uh, the pastor there or the uh, deacon, or I'm not sure what uh, what kind of church it was, but denomination, yeah, yeah. He he um he talked about the the cats that have been killed and and nailed That's to the right. door. So kind of get like how widespread is this occult stuff or is it is that nothing and and i, I liked when the when the pre when the when he tells them well i asked for this to be investigated and they say mm-hmm. well they told him well that's not we're not that kind of police and he says well who is <laughs> it's, a great line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's a fantastic line of course that's clark peters i think from the wire oh he's believe. excellent he's excellent oh one of my favorite characters in all of the wire probably number oh. two character in the wire because everybody's got the same number one I think bunk bunk is your number one. Oh no, Omar's the oh. number one. Oh, or uh, not Omar. Um, uh, this uh, jeez, um, I forget his but, name. But he bunk's a, a pretty great shot, though. Yeah, yeah. I'll think of it. Oh, uh, that I keep thinking fuzzy fuzzy Dunlop. Uh, yeah. I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, we'll talk after. That. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. I forget his name. The actor who should be the next James Bond. Oh, uh, Edris Elba's Stringer Bell. Yes, yeah, Stringer Bell. Yeah. Indeed. He was excellent too. He's yeah. brilliant. I mean, that that's another very heavy character, uh, driven, driven show, mm-hmm. but a, a lot more characters. You know, they have to play with characters. This one is a lot less. They do a lot more with a lot less. Very uh, focused. Yeah. Uh, between between these two, certainly, and then just kind of sprinkle these kind of little little pods from the side. You know, to say, oh, your interact relations with this character, your relations with this character. How does this kind of push people in different ways, especially Marty's wife, who seems to like 
sort of already have a much more comfortable relationship with Cole than his, their husband, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I didn't really, yeah, the, the um, well, he shows interest and he, he's, you know, they show interest in each other. Yeah. You know, so it's not just a uh, out of obligation like it is with Marty. Yeah. But I do like how he, he tells him you have to come over for dinner because it's what you do. Kind of like, I, I don't, I don't really care. It's just something you have to do. Yeah. yeah. But again, that social norm thing he's doing, the kind of, this is what you're supposed to do when you have a partner. This is what you're supposed to, the questions you're supposed to ask when you're silent in the car. This is what you're supposed to say when you come out of the boss's office. You know, they're all very social norms things mm. that don't necessarily make him a bad person, but make him sort of predictable and recognizable, I think, to an awful lot of us, you know, who usually know that person I went to school with or college with or work with or, or anything like that. Even, I think you can even say he's a little, uh, he's not, I don't want to say socially awkward, but he um, he brings flowers to dinner and Marty almost makes fun of him. Like, oh, that's, <laughs> someone told him he's supposed to, so he did. He didn't, like, he kind of laughs at him like, you know, it was what, what a dumb thing to do, but he, he was making an effort to, to, uh, to be there and to bond, so. You can tell he's he wants some kind of connection he wants yeah. some kind of uh you know he wants something he's looking for it he's making an effort he's making an effort there whereas he can't uh he can't unpack the boxes in his house he can't move in uh his house so um Aaron had said can't remember any of the twists to be honest I, like i literally can't remember what happens in two three or four in any of these episodes so it's quite nice uh to see uh yeah true detective one of the first shows that did this so well I, this kind of very short run i mean the wire the wire came before but i, th I feel like the wire is such a very different show sopranos was around the same time where they, they had these big ensemble casts mm -hmm. you know that tell very self-contained stories that i would say in some ways aren't even overly dramatic they're very much character studies about different aspects of life and interrelations between people and this kind of did that but like i say on a much uh, smaller scale i think that kind of goes back to what you said before we went live is how this changed tv in, in, a, in a way like the i think the the idea of what you can be what you can create changed with this series a little bit i mm. think it, people started to realize well we can tell certain you know certain types of stories yeah i i think that's one of the problems with TVs, well, actually, all medium you could say the same about fantasy books to a certain extent. Somebody has to push the boundaries and be successful in a different type of telling stories for people to go, All right, so we can do this now, or we can, you know, we can we can just do this very simple thing with it. Matthew's fashionably blade as usual, eating dinner, eating dinner. I hope I hope it's nice. That was good. Um. I should say a lot of the issues that I have with a lot of TV shows now is they cut and forth back between two timelines too quickly. And with this mm -hmm. show, they give each timeline time to breathe. Yeah. And they also give, they also give a, um, they also talk about what's, what's about to happen. So they all, they give an introduction. So it sets the mm. stage for what we're about to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not really quick. It's you have room, you have room to kind of get comfortable and, and kind of get established. And then it goes back. What I find interesting is though that it is quite it is quite complex though. You know, oh, the yeah. kind of the ways that they get around it and simplify that is to make, you know, the visual appearance so very different. 
you know, between the two. So you never really lost. Again, the use of different types of cameras for the modern day compared to the old, the old, even the, even the color and hue of some of the things changes from from bit to bit. So you never really lost mm. uh, with how to do it. And I think those are the those are the kind of things that I always attribute to having you know great, great director, somebody that's very in very control of the story. And I think that's one of the reasons uh, why this show was so successful. Even though I haven't seen the end of it, when you have one creative voice person looking after the writing and directing you get to create the visual theming the kind of ideas and iconography and stuff that carry the right the way through the series and having a, a consistent voice and runner and when that works well it's very successful and when it's not not so much not so much indeed the uh, the color the color correction on the uh flashbacks of the the 90s scenes were mm -hmm. has that like that dull that dull color to it not it's not too dramatic but it's enough to give you that feeling like okay this is the past yeah it's it's like almost like the sepia tone of old mm -hmm. pictures but it's nowhere near as harsh as that it's just right. ever so slightly there and again when you have a well-known idea that sepia means going in the past nostalgia you only need to flicker it a little bit and uh <laughs> yeah i'll put that forward yeah uh, Aaron had said having them being interviewed rather than just seeing the future works well. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and even they're sort of unreliable narrators in some <laughs> ways because it's recollection, you know, from a lot, lot of point of views from 17 years in the future. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Goose to shoot up. Evening. Good evening. Um, Katie said the relationship between Rust and Marty's Rife reminds me of the relationship between. Freeman and Brad Pitt oh, in yeah. in seven Freeman in seven. I hadn't thought about that. But there are a lot of similarities with seven here. There are, yeah, because Brad Pitt is kind of like the I'll say loose cannon, but he's kind of he's kind of a mess. He does, you know, he's uh, he kind of he, not a he doesn't follow the rules, and he's he he's well intentioned. He's just kind of a a disaster. And Morgan Freeman is the established, um, you know, he he knows what he's doing, and he's in control. Uh, or at least he wants to feel like he is. <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting. I didn't thought of that. But he, he, even the use of color, like these bounce around in time, like obviously like Seven's a super stylized film. Oh, Again, yeah. unusual for the time, but they use a lot of the darks and the gritty to kind of convey theme in there as well. That's really interesting. I'm going to I'm gonna be watching these next couple of episodes with Seven in mind. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to rewatch Seven. haven't seen it in so many years, but... yeah. There definitely is that that feeling that Fincher influenced an awful lot of this style of of TV and filmmaking for sure. Yeah, because the the well the end, not only the end, just the the crimes that were committed in Seven. I think at the time that was everyone was shocked when it yeah. you know, but now it's like oh, it's okay, you know, it's not as shocking now. So that did really did. I don't want to say open doors, but it it uh, I think it it changed the way that the kind of stories that would be they maybe you wouldn't take a chance telling before yeah. and once that was successful and it's like okay then we can get a little crazy yeah i definitely think of the the scene as sloth and seven with the guy the guy's been overfed and on the table and it but the scene is not really all about him they just walk around him and talk around him and kind of talk about the fact of what he is even though like it's a visually very striking thing that if any normal person walks in will just only be looking at that and they're kind of working the case working the room a bit like or two or in this very uh, exactly exactly like here mm -hmm. yeah 
All, all I have to do is um, just hope that somebody here just starts screaming at the end, what's in the box, what's in the box? Uh, no. Uh, what's the box? Say, what's yeah. the box? So, no, I don't say anything at all. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. <laughs> <laughs> says, even though I know everything that happens in Seven, I get creeped out. I, I would agree with that. Like, it is a very creepy movie. And it's definitely one of those films, like, my kids are getting that age where they kind of watch want to watch more interesting mm -hmm. films, mm -hmm. and like inver invariably my my eldest one I go no you can't watch that and she went seen it three years ago. <laughs> Every film I think I oh maybe she, maybe in another year she'll be good enough to watch that movie and she's like no seen it. My two <laughs> kids at ten and eleven have watched Heather's and I'm like what? <laughs> That's a bit heavy and severe and it's like no. I've seen it three times, and I'm like, well, you may as well take the Blu-ray and the DVD upstairs with you and watch it the, again and again. Then you know, go crazy, oh, yeah. just crazy. My yeah, my Alice is really into Jordan Peele as well at the moment, so she's mm. kind of going through that kind of real twisted kind of stuff as well, and enjoying the film making that. So that's episode one. Episode two, I've literally no idea what's going to happen, other than somebody's going to ask the bloody right questions. Apparently, that's what's going to happen. Maybe, 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 maybe so. Uh, anything else you want to bring up, Steve? Anything that jumps out? Mm, no, I think that's about. I don't think we about covered it. Yeah. Unless someone in the chat has anything. Yeah. Um, I just had. Sam uh, says at least they're home and know what they're doing. I mean, I would say that, but again, the scene Heather's three years before I thought we'd seen it. I'm obviously not doing that great a job. <laughs> <laughs> They still went to sleep that night. When I was their age, I seen Gremlins and couldn't sleep for for, weeks. for a long time. Yeah. yeah, or the first Terminator movie was another one that really freaked me out when I seen it. Them hiding underneath the uh, the counter in the, in the PlayStation. Oh, those kind of images took a long way to get rid. Have you seen RoboCop lately? Oh man, I have actually. Super violent. It's one of those classic things where your perception of watching later movies or what those the kind of mimicry that people had of those movies replaces what the actual fact of the movie is. You know, Super, Robocop's ridiculously violent. Uh, it's yeah. unreal. It's shocking it's that is. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy violent. It's I was I was surprised how violent it was. Yeah. But I watched it when I was like I don't know ten or eleven. I don't I don't remember being shocked or anything. But now as an adult, it's like wow, this is. I this I remember bad. being shocked about 82.9, about how vicious some of those murder scenes were, about the kind of, you know, um, the indiscriminate nature that it just murdered swathes of people. But it's it's, it's it's a couple of scenes that I'd totally forgotten that I thought, oh, God, that should have been funny, like the shooting scene between the legs. I, I, that, that, that shouldn't be a gruesome scene, but it's absolutely, oh. <laughs> yeah. It hurts. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty... <laughs> Pretty, yeah, pretty bad. Yeah. So Alicia says, my parents let me watch so many movies in adult. And I'm like, how did you let me watch that? <laughs> Why did you let me see that? Yeah. yeah. Look, we've all turned out okay. I don't, I don't yeah. think it's went completely wrong. I think we're okay. Yeah. I like, to, I like yeah. to think so anyway. Yeah. Well, exactly right. We're just yeah, like talking and discussing about really dark books and TV <laughs> series and all that kind of stuff. I don't know where it came from. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's us for next week. We've got so I've got to do my homework. Got to make my notes again, and um, then Steve's got to do his poker face. And uh... yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be. It, I didn't realize how tough it might be as we get further in, but I'll do my best to not. I, th I think it's 
I'm just going to watch one episode a week because mm-hmm. I want to be sure that I'm not revealing anything because there's a lot, uh, a lot of events. So I have to be careful not to spoil anything That's later in the series. Yeah. yeah. And as, um, as Aaron says, resisting the urge to binge, uh, I, I'm determined not to. I nearly did two episodes back to back and I thought, no, because then I'll not be able to stop myself. It's just like anything else. You just, I'd be able to, I'd be talking about episode one going, but all that's irrelevant now, or that's been replaced with this theory or, or otherwise. So um, that's it. So thanks everybody for coming along. Steve, yeah. you can let everybody know what videos you've got coming up planned for the next couple of days of the I actually don't know. I have, to re- <laughs> I have to post. I have, I have a few done and I don't know what to post next. I have, uh, yeah. I have, I have Martyrs, I have Overlord, I have, um, I think, was it Triangle? And I have um, Bloody Hell? No, do I have that edited yet? I have a bunch that I that are just in the can, there. ready to go. So, cool. to so what to release. you can catch that on Steve Talks Movies. Or if you yep. fancy going nuts, you can uh, you can sure. head to Steve Talks Books. You want to get crazy, yeah. You can do you books. You know, or mi- mix up your hobbies. It works for me. That's all I can tell you. And... Uh, you can catch us next week on Steve's channel. I'm going to do a better job of getting it out in my socials to let people know where, where it is and where it's going. <laughs> it's, hard to, it's hard to remember. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, it's hard to keep uh, up. And you, came, you, you had a busy week, so. Yeah, I came home and thought I better stick this out. And of course, by the time I went on to Twitter, Steve had already done it for me. I was like. <laughs> yeah. I try, to, yeah I, try, I try to keep up. It's hard sometimes. Yeah. So thanks everybody for checking in. And uh, if you've got some theories and you don't know what happens, you can stick them down in the comments again, and then we can pull them up and start next week's show with them yeah. uh, as an idea. So before you watch episode two, try not to spoil, please. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, be, be nice. uh, we'll catch us next time on the channel. Well, Steve's channel at the same time next week <laughs> yeah, for episode two. Time. Take care, everybody. Cool. Thanks, everybody. All the best.